Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find Nick and I on most platforms at HyperClean Store. Best way to get a touch, though, go to the HyperClean Specialist Group. It's in Facebook. Interact there. Actually, some of the discussion points that we're going to talk about today on the Community Pub comes from that HyperClean Specialist Group where good conversations, good discussions, viable discussions, great topics are being tossed around. We're having a really good time in there as well as, well, a little show and glow, too. It's fun seeing the show and glow. It's fun seeing all the great stuff that people are putting out. So welcome, everybody, to the Community Pub. I am diving in tonight to Sierra Nevada Summer Break IPA. It is this week, actually, spring break for those in certain age groups of California that I know of. Uh, my youngest daughter has been here visiting all, uh, all week and having a great time hanging out with her. Stopped by the uh, liquor store on the way home before the the pub and found this Sierra Nevada Summer Break IPA. It's a hazy. It's a good quality hazy. Light on the citrus flavor. Light on the hazy flavor. I mean, it's just kind of a, a mellow drink. Super tasty. Dustin, you sent me some pictures. What are you sipping on tonight? Uh, first one is the uh, sm spiked smoothie strawberry lemonade. And... Uh, it is from Connecticut Valley Brewing Company. It's pretty good, man. Uh, I, I like it. What do you like about it? Just tastes nice. I, I, nothing in particular. It's just nice, fruity. I mean, it literally tastes like a beer smoothie. <laughs> Which is odd, right? That's why I'm like, what do you like about it? But how does yeah, it compare to Old Boy Blue? Uh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, you're my boy blue. I can drink all day, uh, versus this. Not so much. I, I'm good for, you know, I could probably go through one or two of these, but, uh, they're too sweet for me. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this other one that I bought, which is a uh, honey, brown honey ale or something. Mm. Yeah. I just don't do brown ales. Never been a fan of them. I, I never yeah, get into them. I can, I, I like them occasionally, but we actually just got a, a new brewery similar to the one we enjoyed down in Florida. Uh, so they've got a spot like that right up the road. So I uh, had some coffee there on Sunday morning at Cars and Coffee, and now I stopped by there this evening to grab some beer. So nice spot and looking forward to enjoying that place. Yeah, that's good little honey pot fine there, I guess, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the second and third swigs of this session hazy IPA are, are getting to be a little bit better. Sierra Nevada is a pretty wide known brand. So if anybody's ever been curious about getting into the IPA world and you haven't jumped over there yet, this might not be a bad little entryway into it. It's, it's pretty smooth. Lucas, what are you sipping on? I'm sipping on Bud Light. <laughs> Speaking of smooth. Old faithful. Old Faithful. I wonder if Mr. Walters is sipping on a little uh, nooner tonight. Huh? <laughs> no, no nooner. Just having some water. Uh, I actually was just booking some work. So. No nooners then. No nooners at this point. Golly, that's a, 
got to work on that. Uh, it's the pub. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, hold on yeah, one yeah. second. Let me go get yeah, yeah, yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, what about you? What are you sipping on? I got a double Imperial Hazy IPA from the brewery near me, and it's uh, very hazy. It's pretty good, though, but it's, uh, it's a 9%, so I'm only probably going to have one, but it's really good. 9%. Daddy? Hmm. Oh. I think that was I think that was uh, I think that was Nick's mic. I think that was his daughter yelling, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put him on mute. All right. So interesting kind of topic that we want to get into tonight. So give us just a elevator pitch in a sense, right? It means you got one floor, two floors to go. Dustin, what got you into the business? Like, why did you start cleaning cars and open up a detailing business? Uh, it's just something I love, man. Um, you know, of course I had a, a little extra nudge because I, I hated being a diesel tech, but I, I've just always had loved having a nice clean truck, man. Uh, learned it at the dealership in high school. Uh, to this day, it was still the best job that I ever had working at that dealership. Uh, you know, they treated us well, loved it and just enjoyed cleaning a car like you know we'd be deep you know there'd be like six of us in the detail bay so they'd have the car wash bay and then have the detail bay and you start off in the car wash bay learning to prep and you know it was just kind of like a competition of whose interior could come out better and we made minimum wage man but that end effect of when you pulled that vehicle out you're like wow this thing is so nice so every friday my truck would be spotless and just always enjoyed it, man. There's nothing like that feeling of, holy crap, this thing looks beautiful, right? And yeah. so after, you know, so, being a technician, I got burned out after my five years. I was like, dude, I hate my life. I'm going back to cleaning cars. <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. it because of you just enjoy the process of doing it. So that, that's cool. We, we like to hear these stories. Lucas, what about you? 30 seconds or, you know, you're going up a flight with an elevator. Tell somebody you're a detailer. What they say? What What is that? Why do you Why do you do that? I uh, bought a polisher to do my own cars. People liked what I did to my car and asked me to do theirs, and I enjoy it. And from there it goes. All right, short and sweet. I like it, Derek. What yep. about you, brother? Uh, kind of like Lucas. I uh, I didn't really care about my vehicles. My first car I was given given to me. Finally bought my first uh, car. It was a Mazda 3, but uh, it was my Mazda 3. I didn't care. So I started buying all that stuff. After I bought a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff, I was like, huh, I should probably start charging for this because people, you know, neighbors want you to do their cars. Everyone wants to do your cars. I'm like, I got to pay for all this stuff now. So, yeah, it's kind of how I got started. Okay, cool. Nick, what about you, man? Uh, What got you into cleaning cars? Uh, My buddy. He said, hey, this guy down the street is uh, hiring to detail cars, and it's great money, and it's piecework, and I didn't have enough time to, to do hourly, so the better you were, the more he paid, and I'm kind of like everyone else. You kind of see that first car that you make look great, and you're like, oh, this is, this is pretty sweet. I didn't have my driver's license yet, so it wasn't like I had my own car yet, but then... I did get a sweet Jeep that was beat up and a little rusty, but you know, it's all good. Then I tried to take care of it the best I could. 
Yeah, that's awesome. What about business? Why'd you get into the business? Well, when I got out of college, I hated being an engineer, and uh, here I am. <laughs> so, uh, no, the, the reality is, uh, when I actually became a business owner, I I just knew I could do things better than what was going on. I didn't know exactly how, to be honest. Um, I didn't really have a plan. I would have been much more in a better spot knowing what I know now. You know, I'd have planned it a little bit better. But I already had a couple clients and I just started building from there. And, you know, I, I didn't, didn't really have it well thought out. And, and you know, I had to, had to definitely flip my mindset pretty quick if I was going to stay in business. Yeah, I mean, my, my story is similar to a lot of other people in the industry. We were working a job. We weren't happy with our job. We wanted to do something else. And I had somebody that told me they'd seen some people cleaning cars and making some money doing it. And it was down at this grocery store. And I was like, okay, I, I mean, I, I like cleaning my car. Why the fuck not? I, I, could, I could go clean people's cars. And I see it. I, I didn't really know what I was doing either, right? Like it just... It wasn't so much the, you know, a lot of people say they want to be their own boss. And I didn't, I didn't really think of it that way. I didn't, I definitely did not enjoy structure of a regular job. A couple of the jobs that I had had, you know, you had to be there right at a certain time. You know, I didn't quite always enjoy that. <laughs> I didn't quite always enjoy somebody telling me I had to do this, this, and this. But for the most part, my jobs, I, I learned how to, to run my role and I learned how to just, cruise through it jobs to me were kind of easy so it wasn't that i hated some overbearing boss or didn't like it just i don't know it sounded interesting wanted to do it I, I hated my job quote unquote like i was bored so it was just something else to do i was a young kid why not i didn't really think of it as a business you know i it is interesting though nick right like because most people should open up a business because they're interested in business there's so many in the industry that get into cleaning cars just because, well, we like cleaning cars. Like I, I looked over at my, uh, my car, it was a rodeo. And I was like, you know, I, I like cleaning that. I, I could clean other people's cars. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of where we all start. But I think the thing we're trying to think about tonight is, you know, how do you advance beyond that? You know what I mean? How do you get yourself to a position where it's like, Hey, you got in business. For whatever reason, most people say I hated having a boss, whatever. I wasn't like that either. I thought having a job was pretty easy. But how do you go from this, this idea of, hey, I'm my own boss. Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, I'm out here to starting to think through how to make money, how to do it long term, how to do it positively for your life long term. You know what I mean? Like not just running yourself into the ground, cleaning cars all day, every day. You know, how do you start running a real business? And you kind of get into, you know, what business ownership really is. And, you know, I, I think that, Marty, that's what we're really wanting to talk about, right? Which is, how do you flip that switch? Yeah, because it's interesting. I'm sure we've all seen, well, how many people started as we got into talking about trainings, as training came up, and then the amount of trainings that began to be, well, we also teach business. And there's actually companies that sell products that have really gotten into well, we're training about business now too. So there's evidently a need in the overall industry to educate people about running a business because there's so many of us that get into it without a business background. We don't really understand, quote unquote, 
business, right? Like it, it, it is interesting that we had rather bash other people, bash other businesses, bash other parts of our car care industry. For instance, you know, car washes, people love to hate on car washes. We love to as detailers. We hate car washes. It's interesting. We'd rather bash them than trying to figure out, well, if what they're doing is X, Y, and Z, either how do I duplicate that because they must be running a good business or are they causing a problem? And then that opens up a whole new area for me to go into because I can now start solving a problem. Hmm. Problem solving is, is really why somebody should get into business, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what we, we want to talk about is if you look across the street, the big thing in detailing right now is that car wash is screwing cars up, right? I mean, we all see that on the internet. Look what this dealership did to this delivery of this car, right? We've all been in that, that mindset. I think, Marty, the interesting thing to talk about tonight is how do we get out of that mindset and see an opportunity, okay? Uh, car washes make a lot of money, but what if your local car wash is you know, still using a brush system? They don't really have a detailing uh, department, but they do have big, a massive amount of real estate. Why not be going off for a detail shop set up on site that you own and you split profits with the car wash? Uh, what about going and being on site at a dealership? What about going and doing these things and looking at these places as a business opportunity instead of being the guy on the internet saying, wow, look at those, you know, look at those hacks. They're not us. They're not us. And I, I think that's the mentality we we'll want to talk about tonight is looking at it as a business rather than sitting on a Facebook group and bitching about what dealerships do, uh, you know, to cars. Okay, yeah. go solve the problem then. Go run a Google ad you know, talking about dealership damage, you know, do content around that, explain it to customers. Let's talk about doing that kind of stuff rather, instead of just sitting back and being a guy pointing the finger at those, those businesses. All right. So let's break that down, Lucas. I'd love to know your input, you know, give us a, give us an idea if you can think locally and you're thinking in your area, what are problems? And it could be dealerships, right? It could be car washes. It could be the, you know, the guy down the street, you know, what, what is that normal thing that you hear people complaining about that is true in your area? And I will, we'll bounce around the room real quick and, and check in. And what is it that you guys see that, that you would, you would go that this is something, yeah, it definitely people would make fun of, or this is something that, that needs fixing. Probably the, just a problem I was talking about with a customer this morning, he just got a new Acura. MDX or something, one of the SUVs, like 2020, brand new, 2022, whatever year it is, right off of the local Honda dealership. And he texts me, he's like, oh, I, I think they wrote, I, I, <clears throat> I bought the dealership ceramic coating too. I hate to break it to you. I'm like, why? I, we talked about this like two weeks ago. And he's like, oh, well, they said it's a, they said it's a 15 year warranted coating and this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, do you remember the name of the brand? anything about what the, he's like yeah they said it's this this stuff they spray on and it makes it really hydrophobic and it lasts forever and it, they're going to do it on the inside and the wheels and everything and then he sends me i told him to send his salesman some questions so that i could get more information and then he sends me screenshots and the picture that the salesman sent him of what they're going to put on his car is tech 582 ceramic detail spray they charge yeah. this guy $3,000 to get 
to put is fucking it, detail spray. Hey, Marty, why is it that brand? That's a great question. Do you know why it's that brand, Lucas? Because one of the biggest warranty companies on the planet owns that brand. Mm. It's not actually because it's technician's choice and we should bang on it. Let's dig a little deeper. That's a brand that runs paper for dealerships, run, owns that company that makes that product. So your customer really didn't lose in the eye of the dealership because he's got a paper that says he's got a warranty. Right. Or at and least he should. I, I told him, I'm like, well, you know, I, he, he, they didn't put it on yet. So I said, hopefully, you know, um, you can talk with someone, get, get your money back and we can talk about putting something that, you know, is real on your car. And I'm like, I, we talked about this two weeks ago. Cause you said you're going to be buying a new car and he, he didn't right. want to listen, but you know, so, I, yeah. Lucas, no. So the overall big picture is, is, is a dealership, right? That's a problem that you see inside your local market. I, I'm listen, there's part of me that, that if you go back to 17, 18, I put out content. I was at car wash shows. I was at de dealership, uh, you know, like you went to Nick, the NADA. I was at different things that they were talking a little bit about ceramics, but not yet. And I put out warnings, detailers be ready. The dealerships and the car washes will begin selling ceramic coatings. Few people really ever agreed with me. They said they were going to be the, you know, if they do, it was going to run down the name of, of, of ceramic coatings. It's an interesting battle that always goes around between a detailer putting on protection and a dealership that is putting on protection, right? Like that technically is in a sense, this is interesting too, Nick, as you and I have talked about what is competition is competition between other detailers. Do detailers begin competing with dealerships and there you saw a very good face-to-face -face battle between a detailer wanting to offer a product to a customer and then a dealership wanting to offer a product to a customer. Yeah. That That's fascinating right there. That's that's yeah. straight at it. So, so let's look at a business opportunity, not only for Lucas, but for everybody. So here's what I did. I got very frustrated with my customers always having an issue with the dealership forcing them into something. So now a lot of my clients do not make a purchase that I'm not involved in. For some of my clients, I have power of attorney to sign every document at the dealership. Now, that's a fee. I'm not doing it for free. And guess what? Now I get to drive away from the dealership to my shop. I get to drive away the dealership to their house with my guys waiting there. So here's the business opportunity. We can keep complaining about the dealership, which they're not doing the right thing. Okay, so let's get that out of the way that we all agree there. What's the business opportunity? The business opportunity is, hey, Mr. Customer, for 250 bucks, I could have been involved in your purchase. I could have helped you with the paperwork. I could have helped you. I could have been there with you. I could have done a pre-purchase inspection. Whatever it is you can do, now the car comes to you. We don't have very many cars that are delivered with even the plastic off of them that we'll accept as a delivery at this point. We just had an argument about this with a customer. Had a Mercedes right off the line. They pulled the paper. We rejected the deal. We rejected the delivery. So there's business opportunity here instead of the opportunity of, wow, why do they keep doing it? Let's look at the business opportunity and try to get them more involved in that purchase. Yeah. Lucas thoughts, you know, yeah, is that I a think... thing that you could begin to interject with your customers? Or if you know that a dealership is putting on a 
well, in your opinion, a less superior product than what you might have. Is that an opportunity to go into the dealership? You know, how do you, how do you look at uh, the problem that you're having with the customer? How are you going to solve it? Well, uh, I, I, the dealership wasn't picking up his phone calls today because he's starting to express some, some anger toward them. So I said, all right, I got, I have the, the salesman phone number that I just got sent to me a couple hours ago. So, uh, Mr. Salesman is getting a phone call at 9.01 a.m. tomorrow when the dealership opens, and we're going to talk about uh, how we're going to remedy this situation for my customer and then uh, what kind of money he's going to be getting back. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do the refund, but that's something we're going to have to explore because, you know, it's it's not all right. And there's there's three ways dealerships do stuff like that around here. We have the the big couple big family conglomerate dealerships where there's you know, a, a dealership with one name, but they got 15 different brands at a different dealership all over town. A lot of those kind of dealerships, they send a lot of their paint protection plans that they're charging all this money for. They send them to a shop that's uh, yeah, in the middle so of maybe town. Maybe you could start right. working your way into that dealership. So that's then, that's something that's right. I, I thought about. Um, and then there's, there's a couple of upper scale dealerships that actually run detail shops and in a separate building behind their dealership where they're actually that they have real detailers applying real stuff, like actual solid coatings. And I've talked to these guys and they're like, they're good guys and they do phenomenal work around town. That's dealership cool. makes a lot of money off of those guys. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what, I think that's, that's great for them. I don't see a much, much of an opportunity for anything at those places. Cause they're, they're doing pretty well for themselves with the system they have and all this money they have invested already. I think where I can interject is I could go to these dealerships that are being scumbags and I could, instead of trying to just ruin their reputation around town, I can be like, here, listen, I have this many people that are complaining about your product. Here's all the better business reviews of your product you're applying that are negative. Here's what every single person says about your product and how terrible it is why don't you let me come in and we can work together to help you guys build a product and a process that works for everyone. You're offering a good product. You can make more money. I can make more money. Your customers will come back to you. Um, yeah. Love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Derek, what about you, man? Uh, I know this is kind of a little bit of curveball to a guy that, you know, you, you've been detailing for quite a while, but it's, it's not a full-time gig. You, you like to handle your customers. You do your, like you and I have talked, man. I'm like, hey, stay in your lane. It's working for you. You keep doing you. But, but what is it that you hear around or that you see? Or what's the thing that you know that detailers would have a problem with in your area? Um, I don't know if it's just where I live, but I have a lot of, I've been picking up a lot of customers who live right next to car washes where they do do like quote full details. And a lot of times when, I get called in is when it's like, so like either it's really bad or they've taken it to the car wash to get it detailed. And then they do a terrible job. And then I have to come in and I still get, you know, my price, whatever I want to pick. And then I've heard a lot of customers that have said like, Oh, well, you know, I took it to the car wash. They did an okay job, but they don't clean the wheels or they don't wipe down or they don't, couldn't get this stain out. And then I come in to get it. I don't ever bash the car washes. I mean, I've even turned down customers that have said like, well, I just want to get the car wash and I'll just go, well, you know, you could go, up the street because I look at the I'll see the car and they've already got the sticker like the car wash sticker on the car so I already know like I'm not gonna drive all the way out there to perform like a luxury a mobile service on their vehicle to then drive for them to take it to the car wash the next week um, 
but I had a situation like Lucas was saying, but it was a little different where I had a guy who was, we were texting back and forth about getting his brand. He got a brand new Denali, um, with Sierra, uh, when they first, when the new, new body style first came out, texting back and forth, texting back and forth, what coding should I get? What package should I do? Um, he buys the truck and then I get a text going like, Hey, I got the car and I got it coded. I was like, by who? He's like, Oh, the dealer. And then it was like, I think it was, um, Got the name of the company, what, what, what permaplate or something that he got put on, and uh, he then starts asking me all these questions. Oh, what should I use to take care of it? And I was just like, Well, what did the dealership say? And they didn't really tell him anything. All he knew was that he wasn't paying the three the, the money for the decoding instead of paying me the like money up front, it was in the financing. That was like his yeah. big like, he didn't have to see yeah, of the, course. It's, it's the way they make, and we all know, right? Like, it's a, yeah. it's a great way of making. As we we talk about upsells in our business, the, the financing department is an upsell center, yeah. right? Like it is, and it's a great profit center for them. Um, but let's go back to let's go back to the car wash for a second, uh, and we can get into if, if at some point in time if we ever want to talk about what that world and the financing world looks like. I've I've worked with plenty of of them, and I've worked with selling products through the finance department. So the the interesting part about car washes you talk about is <laughs> sometimes the same thing that we get is mm -hmm. what's a detail. The customer doesn't always know what's a detail at a car wash, right? Like there's still a lot of that fighting back and forth. Overall, the picture of a car wash with versus a detail shop, meaning like a detailer is, <laughs> well, it's volume, right? I mean, it, their, their business model is one way. Ours is a little bit of a smaller micro, you know, we, we want to be specialized on one particular car and we do all this, but why do you think Derek, why do you think there's a combative nature between a detailer and a car wash? I don't know if it's, if it's like, like, cause like almost like the way we're talking about the like ego of some guys where they, they think like I'm doing it the right way. So like, this is the way it's supposed to be done. Then this is the only way it can be done clean your car like why would you take your car the car you're destroying it like you're destroying your clear coat if you take it there and like I, don't, I think it's not every guy but i think a lot of guys think have like uh i see the car more as just an appliance like i i I'm, i enjoy the vehicle i enjoy looking at the body lock panels and stuff and the shine and the gloss so i want my customers to 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 enjoy that and then it's almost like a slap in the face if the, you got these car washes charging eight bucks up the street and they're just putting them through with the brushes and destroying the clear coat and stuff and i think that's the only thing i can think why there's such a combative nature like there, there's a guy near me who does exactly what you guys were saying like he'll videotape car washes from across the street and then or like this is why you should never take your car you should always trust a detailer and i never really see him doing a ton of work so i don't know exactly what his deal is and it's always the same three cars so i don't All know right, so there's a combative nature between the two and uh and <laughs> There's, there's people that are going through it and gosh, they're getting these brushes that hit on the paint and it, it might put some light marring on the clear coat, but the car got clean and the majority of the time that customer's happy. But detailers want to point out, like you said, that it's marring the paint and there could be something that gets caught in some mitts and causes some little more than micro marring, right? If truck goes through before that's real caked on and you're the car right after, I've been in the car wash world plenty of times. We all understand it's a good chance that there's a muddy little piece that gets stuck to that mitt and gets touched on the next mitt, you know, the next car. 
which let's not put detailers too far behind that because there's plenty of detailers that will reuse mitts and sometimes reuse wash water in a bucket. <gasps> uh, right. It's not like the grit guard magically took all the dirt all the way out of all the water that's in that, you know, right. So let, let's not, let's not cast blame too far, but there's definitely a rub there in a sense, right? Like yeah. What, what I think to be as interesting is laughing at their problems and laughing at them as in, you know, they're doing it the wrong way. Yeah. And we're doing it the right way as detailers. Detailers clean the car the right way. And you should never go through a car wash because they do it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Right? What makes the detailer right versus the car wash wrong? I mean, that, right? Like, is that a question that we really should ask? Because that car wash, if we look at business to business, well, there's no competition. That car wash is doing much better business than the detailer. Much better. Much more volume. they got much more scalability. They've got automatic systems. They've got team members. They've got accounting. I mean, they you start stacking up the amount of quote-unquote business things that they do versus a detailer. There's no competition at all. Yeah. But detailers want to throw mud at them that they're doing something wrong. Why do you think that is? I mean, it, it, I, I find that fascinating. Nick, what are your thoughts? Well, I think DJ kind of, DJD kind of said something here that, that that's important. Is that guy is doing something negative, right? He's taking a video. He's pointing the finger. That's not going to draw people to you. It doesn't get you any more business. And this is again, what we want to talk about today. And I'm glad everybody's kind of sharing stories because everybody's is unique, right? You, you have this guy doing this thing in your area and you're like, man, what's this guy doing? I don't see him doing a lot of work. Well, he's not doing a lot of work because there's no solution, right? Oh, that's a bad place. We're a great place. Click. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't do anything. And, and, and that's, Marty, that's kind of what we're trying to get at tonight. The car wash business is, is infinitely bigger than the detailing business. So if I really want to grow a business, shouldn't I think to myself, okay, so there's some things going on over at that car wash. How do I get my piece? That would be a better way of thinking about it than just saying that bad, that place bad, I'm good. You know, because what, what does that get you in the end? But bitterness. I mean, everyone on this podcast tonight has gotten on a Facebook group and just seen this person bad, this person bad, this business bad, this person bad. We're the only ones that know the right thing. I mean, detailers, a lot of times will have you believe and they know how to fix an engine better than the mechanic down the street. They don't think anybody does anything right. Instead of stepping back and saying, how do I get mine? How do I solve a problem for those businesses and those customers and get mine? Now, a car wash that's just automated, maybe I can't find my way in there, but I can use marketing efforts positively to say, hey, this is what happens at the car wash. This is why you should care. Modern clear coat systems. You can go into the whole education. It's not going to change tomorrow for you, but if you did that for the next five years, your business would be infinitely more profitable. Uh, Nick, cooking with Nick. Let's first check in and see what are you making? It looks like some big long noodles. Is that lasagna? I'm trying to make homemade carbonara. Homemade, you know, real deal. Homemade pasta dough. Just threw it myself. So well, ignore Mr. me. Walters is definitely intrigued it's, it's now. Hard, yeah. 
he Nick comes family. from an Italian family, so he's, family he's excited about boat. this. Hey, <laughs> I'm making this one as traditional as humanly possible. No garlic, homemade pasta. I got I I couldn't find guanciale, so I got pancetta. Um, I'm trying to do this as traditional as humanly possible. So, cooking with Nick, as you clean cars as well as work at a dealership, what what do you find that's interesting? The way detailers associate dealerships, what really are the problems there? What what could a detailer solve at a dealership? The best way to fix you know quality issues at a, like. I'm going to use Tesla as an example of this. Of course, we have a horrible reputation for quality, you know, with our vehicles and whatnot. The easiest way to, to solve that as a detailer is to go sublet your workout and work for that dealer. If you want to solve it, our doors are open. Come on. We're looking for people right now. We're looking for another solution because guess what? We're trying to scale. What's the number one priority of my whole business right now? I'm trying to scale. So we're looking for work. That's uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Pretty simple, right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want to fix it, get hands on and do it. You know, our doors are open, and we're open to solutions. So, we're we're not just gonna block everybody out. Like, if, if you think you have a solution, and and you're a third party digital company, and you want to work for us, hit up, hit us up, man. Okay, Dustin, you you've got a little bit of experience local with seeing some stuff going on at dealerships, as as well as. Other things in your area, what are some problems that you've seen that uh, you find fascinating? Uh, shoot, man, I, th I think I've seen it all here recently. Uh, you know, from the whole dealership conversation that you guys had with me, um, you know, seeing that. And then uh, I had a car show up that went through a brushed automatic car wash, dude. And I guess it had a malfunction. <laughs> and, uh, Ended up putting some gnarly scratches in this thing, clear down to the metal. Like, wasn't even a primer, but you could see metal. And she's like, can you do anything with this? And I was like, the body shop is that way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've seen a little bit of everything, man. And then have you thought of a solution? Do you, you, have you kind of thought through, you know, if you got some problems, is it do you do it there on your, your home front or do you, you go out and start trying to solve them? What? What's your thought process on that? Yeah, so the biggest thing, you know, with uh, customers that bring their vehicles to us for ceramic coatings, uh, you know, they ask, hey, can I run this thing through the automatic car wash? That's typically what I do. And I'm not going to tell them, hey, no, you can't. But I can recommend, hey, you know, it, it's better for the life of the coating and the vehicle, um, you know, if we just do a proper wash. Um, so you can bring it to us, give us a shout, and, you know, if we just do an exterior wash for 25 bucks and they're going to spend, you know, 15 to $17 at the automatic car wash. If they bring it to me for a more thorough wash at 25 bucks, we're taking care of the vehicle. I know it's being cared for and it keeps them coming back. So uh, we give them that option. They don't need to set up an appointment. All they have to do is give us a call, stop by the shop, um, or they have the option to have us come out with a mobile unit and clean it on site that's fine as well. They just have a mobile service fee with it. So uh, this year I'm really pushing that out there to everybody that had, that gets a coating with us. Hey, bring it here. We'll do these cheap washes for you. They're more thorough. You get a little more value there um, and the vehicle is being properly maintained. So 
you know, that's an issue I've seen because convenience is the biggest thing in today's world. Um, all of us live very busy life. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, if I can make it convenient on them, I think I'm solving a problem. Um, I like it, Dustin. I really do. And I love it so much because God, there's so many people that would consider you not a detailer because you did a $25 car wash. I, I'm thrilled that you do it, man. You're, you're no longer a detailer. That is interesting, Nick. I mean, why do people think that just because you do a wash means you don't detail cars? Uh, that never, I mean, that that's a recent thing. You know, I think you know this. That's That's not how this business was when we got in. You sort of did whatever you had to do, right? Like you did... Uh, every little thing you could to make money an interior detail, a, uh, you know, a quick wash, a quick, quick wash and wax, a polish, doesn't matter. You did it all. And so we got to this weird place where everybody just paint corrected. That's it. It's all they did. They just paint corrected. And to me, um, if you can maintain your customer's vehicles and you can do it profitably for your business and help them as well, that's what you're in business to do. You're not in business to say, this guy on the Facebook group told me I'm not a detailer if I just wash a car. And I'll let everybody know here, you can find the video yourself. A major tool manufacturer's leading guy saying they don't know how to properly wash a car. <clears throat> they're teaching sanding techniques. They're teaching all this advanced stuff. They don't know how to properly wash a car and you're going to go learn from them. Hey, good on you. That's, new, I'm, that's not who I'm going to learn from. And I know them personally, and that's an idiotic thing to say, but that's the places it starts. This idea that we're going to degrade the simple things. Well, I've never found a guy who does elite level work that can't wash a car properly. Never happened. All right. Hey, Joe, we're talking through problems that we see on a local level that, you know, are a thing that the regular industry is always fighting against. That's sort of what we've been discussing. And, I'm going to come back to you here in a second because I really like your input of where we go on the next thought is, you know, Nick had a grandfather that had a really interesting quote that was about business. And it was about, uh, I, I think you'll find it fascinating, you know, as, as you continue to grow in your business mindset and what you're doing, I think you'll find this quote fascinating. I'm going to come back to you and get your input on it. All right. So Nick, what's that quote and talk us through what, uh, what that means. So wasn't a business owner, was just a, just a hardworking guy, just a guy that, uh, you know, I guess like all of us, right? Like just was just trying to, you know, he worked for, for different uh, people in his life. But I have an uncle that owns a, a large company uh, that married into my family. And, and, the, and he ran into a lot of problems, this guy. And I remember my grandfather saying to me, he goes, every man can own a business. Very few people are businessmen. And that's the real difference here. And, and the way we want to lift up everybody listening to this is you're going to have to make a decision which one you want to be. Because anybody can go on the internet and buy an LLC, buy an S Corp. It's not hard. Okay. If you want to be a businessman or woman, and that's what you want to be, you're going to make some decisions that aren't popular on Facebook groups that aren't popular in the detailing community, because most of the people in the detailing community don't want to hear this stuff. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. And I think you guys know that. And, and, and the people that follow us realize 
that what we're trying to say is motivational. Solve a problem in your area. Nobody thinks dealerships are perfect. Nobody thinks car washes are perfect. Nobody here thinks those are the solutions. But if you don't have something that replaces that solution or adds to that solution, don't sit on Facebook and cry about it. I mean, what's that? that doesn't make you any more money. Doesn't doesn't make your business any more money. How do you solve the problems that you see in your area? And are you are you somebody that owns a business or are you a businessman? And that that's the whole theory. Joe, you're a guy that seems to solve some problems. You you've made some moves. You made some changes. What's your thoughts on that statement? Right, like somebody that's a business owner or a businessman. Yeah, um, what I've been working on recently was creating business men versus business owners because I let these guys know detailing is, well, car washing detailing is only 20% of the actual business itself. Anybody can clean a car, but how do you retain your customers? How do you, how do you acquire your customers? What is your, what is your software as far as retaining people's information? Um, what is your education on what is the best thing to say to a customer to get a sale? Because when it's raining, I see a lot of detailers stay home. I don't stay home when it's raining. You understand what I'm saying? I find a way to still work. And if I'm not working, I find a way to make sure that tomorrow I have work today. Like, say, for instance, a lot of these guys get real Joe, busy. hold on, hold on. I want to yeah. chase something that you just said right there. I want to chase oh. something real quick. Basically, there's little bumps in the road that happen. And there's something that holds us back. Right? You mentioned weather. It could mention... I'm not feeling so great. I mean, it could be, I got something else, right? What do you think overall, if you look at a man that is, is not really performing business, quote unquote, to the way it should be, what is it that holds them back? Is it, is it their mind? Is it inside their heart? Like they just don't have enough drive. I mean, yeah. what is it that holds somebody back? It's the Mamba mentality. I'm going to use that as an example. Um, there's a lot of people where, even if I quote scripture, they don't want to go outside because in their mind, there's a lion outside. When it's like in actuality, yeah, it's not easy to go past that threshold from comfortable in your home to go outside through the rain to find shelter to detail a car. Like if it's raining, I would literally ask the customer, do you have a garage? But there's people who, if it's raining, it's just raining. I'll put you off till tomorrow, but they don't realize tomorrow has its own money. You, you yeah, that that customer is still in the hole to come tomorrow. Okay. So, yeah. the, but what is it that's doing it? What it what, oh, what what's a, making them do that? It's it's the mentality. It's the courage. It's the it's the what was the reason why you got into this in the first place? Some of us have the mood of oh, I'm gonna be this. I'm gonna be that. We're in this hype mood. But then when the mood changes, they forget about what they said they was going to do because today they either got a couple of dollars in the bank or the girlfriend came over or they just had a bad day where they got to understand that the same mood that they were in at the time when they made this awesome plan to become a detailer and to actually get X, Y, Z, they forget about that when either times get hard, times get good, a family member died. You know how many of my relatives already died in my head? 
I, I, I got this from what's this guy named um, with the glasses, Harry in my garage, and um, and your boy uh, Gary V. He said I didn't seen my all my family members dead at one point in my mind because it's going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? It's sad right now. I just got a friend that I really, really liked. She was my homegirl and she died recently. Her funeral was supposed to be this Saturday. I couldn't let that stop me from doing what I got to do because my tomorrow is still here. If you understand what I'm saying, that's in my mind. So you think so, you think they over-prioritize, uh, basically what you're saying is they over-prioritize everybody else. They don't prioritize their own self. That. That's interesting. I, I, I really think that you're true. And there, there could be a lot of that that's true for many of the listeners because they they think about their family members or they think about their friends or they think about what somebody else is thinking about them. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, what are the right? And that goes back to that. Derek sent me what he thinks is is fear. Right. And it it interesting aspect from it, because, Joe, it could be paired with you like. They might fear what so many of these other people think. And to your point, if you can go, hey, these people are just kind of dead already. They're dead to me, but I still love them. They're, you know, they're, they're going to die. I, I need to make sure that my life in the future is okay without them. That, that's, that's really deep, and that's really interesting. Derek, what do you mean by fear? Like, why do you think fear comes into play? Um, I think it was, I was getting that from what Joe was saying. It's like the, uh, like the lion is outside. Like, you know, what if, what if I fail? Like, I don't, I don't want to fail right now. I, it's, it's like, it's, that's what's kind of stopping you. I mean, that's what kind of stopped me from like almost going full, like full time. Like the big thing was like, you know, what if I don't get work and all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm the one that's being dependent on. So like, why, why would I go and try to do it? So uh, maybe I am, that that's one thing, like, like, Joe, maybe I am scared that like, if I were to go full time, I know I could do it. Like, as far as like the work I'm doing, it's just, you know, I want to have that personally. I want to have like that, that safety net, but it just kind of, it's kind of scary, you know, I'm getting ready to buy a house. I got to make sure that income's coming in. Um, Cause I don't want to, you know, have something happen. And then all of a sudden it's like, sorry, can't pay rent or can't pay the mortgage this month. So, you know, that's what keeps you my, uh, my full-time job right now, but it is yeah, a little bit here with me. Cool. Joe, we're gonna keep running with this. This is fun. All right, Brandon from Tim's. What about you? What do you what do you think holds people back? Uh, holds them back from what? I just kind of joined in. Just yeah, that's true. My Earth. bad. I threw you straight out in there with no fucking information <laughs> at all. Listen, Nick feels your pain because it's so many conversations that we have. I just throw something out, and he's like. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Nick testified like it's true. Like, absolutely, man. <laughs> and your boy just says stuff and it's like, uh, dude, what are you talking about? You, I just picked up the phone. What are you even <laughs> referencing here? I mean, that, I mean, hundred percent. If people would hear that, it's, I mean, you, you would think like after 10 times of doing this this week, I wouldn't have to do it, but yeah, no, it's, Hey, I love this topic. I, I, you know, to catch Brandon up, I, I think this is what it is. I'll give you an example of fear that isn't, you know, so dramatic, but think about this. I, I had a young guy call me who wanted to change tools. He had, he had, he had had his tool break on a job and had to run to Harbor Freight and get whatever polisher it is they sell there. About two jobs in, which he did the same day, he called me, he goes, dude, I like this better than the tool I got. Now the tool I got, the tool he has is the tool that everybody respects. And so he actually said this to me on the phone call. He goes, 
What's everybody going to think if they see any polish in a car with this? Whoa. And? And guess what I said? What do you give a shit? <laughs> I said, Is, do you like it better? He's like, yeah, I like it better. Today, he's using that polisher. But think about his mindset in that moment that we all have, right? Marty's had it. I've had it. All you guys have had it about something. How's somebody going to look at this? What do we hear all the time? What if somebody sees my work? That's fear, fellas. Let me tell you something. Nobody's looking at your work under a light, especially not Corvette guy that, that just came to your shop. You're not looking at it under a light. Like, you got to relax. But that fear strikes all of us, right? Just from different spots. Oh, what if somebody see? you know, I use this tool because that's what everybody else uses. What well, does the tool actually work? I What's bought your... over 100 tools from the same company. I can't stand them. My guys like them. I hate the tools. I bought close to 100 of them. I got 10 of them in the shop at all times. I don't care what people see me using, but there was a point that I did, right? There was a point that, that, that we all have those moments. And this is what we got to talk about, man. This is about making money. And Marty, this is where you and I have so many conversations with so many guys that are coming on board HyperClean as distributors and, and just using our product. The first thing they'll hear from us is, how are you going to make money with this? It's not about everything else. The other stuff, Joe said it. I know you guys believe it. Once you learn how to polish a car, it's kind of learned. You're going to have little things come up, but you guys have seen beginners pick up a DA polisher in a system yourself with your own two eyes and go, I got a pretty good result. So what's that tell you? It's not that big of a skill the way people sell it to themselves it is. We know we can teach team members to polish in our system. I think this fear thing is a lot deeper than what people think. I mean, it goes down to why guys choose certain coatings, why guys use certain PPF, why guys use, uh, you know, certain tools. It's not just the big stuff. It infects everything that they do. And we've all suffered from it. The question is, are you going to get outside of that and go make money? Because if that stuff just keeps infecting you, it's going to be hard to grow. Yeah. So Brandon, I'll catch you up real quick. We first got into the discussion with, you know, how did we get into business? You know, was it that made you get into business? Then what are some things that you've seen on a local level that, gosh, there's some issues that people might have issues with. And then Nick just presented a topic of, you know, there's people that are business owners, and they, they own a business, and then there's businessmen who solve problems. So, you know, then as we, we talked with that with Joe, then we presented basically the idea that, a lot of people don't solve problems out of fear, you know? So what, what do you, what do you think holds people back from solving problems, right? Like if somebody sees a dealership that's got issues, if they see other parts of the industry in their local area that they, they know that there's an issue at, why do you think they don't go solve it? I think most people are scared is what other people is going to think about them. You know, um, you know, if that goes to even like posting a picture on Instagram or a video or whatever is, Oh, is that good enough? You know, what are these people going to think of my work? Um, fear of just looking like an idiot, I guess, <laughs> you know, um, and you just kind of got to get over that fear. And, and, and because if you're not, I don't know, something I've kind of learned the last little bit. If you're not 
making yourself uncomfortable, you're probably getting real complacent and you're not trying to, to extend your business. All right. Boil that down. What is that like for you on a personal level? Like when you heard that, you know, what is it that you saw or, or why did you need to make a change? I mean, it's like, I'm with the chemicals. I'm I'm a very introverted person. I don't like talking to people. I don't know. I literally had to just make myself go into somebody's shop, say, Hey, introduce myself and show them chemicals. And that's every time I do it, it's very hard. Like it's super hard for me to do, but I'd literally have to take a second. Like I'll, I'll sit in the car for two minutes and kind of hop myself up and then just go do it. But it always ends up being a good thing. Every time I do it, like I end up getting a new contact, even if they don't buy anything, I got to, you know, I end up having a 20 minute conversation with somebody and it always ends up being a good thing. That's cool, man. That's Getting cool. comfortable with no is a big thing for me. Oh, okay. It was a big, big thing for me. Get comfortable with no. Who cares if somebody says no? Who cares if somebody says they don't need your stuff? What's the matter? It's not like you're going to really ever see that person very much in your life, right? That was mm -hmm. a big thing I had to get over. You know, I don't want people to say no to me. Now, <laughs> I mean, Marty, you know this better than anybody. I mean, it's the kind of conversations and sales that we have to do on the hyper-clean corporate level, the relationships we have to balance. I'm not fearful at all of anybody thinking anything about me. I'm there. I have a solution to a problem. If you don't want to see it, I'll come back next week or I'll come back next month and I'll, I'll hopefully you'll see it then. But I just keep coming back. And, and there's a huge fear for me when I first started of being told no. And there's a strategy with no. Just want to say this. If you, the more you hear a no, you start learning why they're saying no. Your hundredth person might tell you that your breath is stink. And that's all you needed to hear. And after you realize it was your breath the whole time, you chew you a few minutes and you go talk to it, that 101 person will now take the sale because it was just your breath the whole time. Just being silly with it. But you learn that your approach, you start getting comfortable, not actually comfortable with the no, but you're getting comfortable with yourself to say, okay, I'm gonna check this on my list, this work. I kind of got close with this person. And you just start taking mental notes because I can make a sale in a place that neither one of y'all can make a sale only because why? I'm black. It could be about race. It could be about height. It could be about anything, but you don't know how to utilize these things until you keep going and going and going and going. If they gave you yes on your first day, you wouldn't even know what the hell you need to change. If I could say it like that. So when somebody say, yeah, I don't care about no's, but there's a strategy behind hearing a no. Understand how to get a yes. And you need to get your no so you can learn. I love but that's it, man. I love it. I, I wonder about this. This would be interesting to toss around. Do you think something that holds us back as detailers of not progressing through business? Do we get involved in so simple-minded things that don't actually transfer into money? Like, for instance, arguments on social media groups or comments on people's posts or spending 20 minutes watching a YouTube video that Really didn't tell us much, but we just felt like we need to sit there and watch it. Nick and I joke like, then this is this is literally just this is an open question because Nick and I joke, right? Like, as you get into social media and you start making posts or you're doing stuff, like you open up your phone, it 
you can't help but spend 10 minutes and suddenly you go, God damn it. Like, I mean, so I don't mean this as like a shot. It's more of a, you know, what are some things that might not actually transfer into money that we spend time on that maybe are holding us back? And have you thought of anything as I was just saying that? Or is there anything that you guys think, Lucas? I, I imagine you could kind of come up with something that you think that maybe holding us back could be simple things that really aren't we're doing that aren't transferring into money. A certification. <laughs> we're, we're not we're not going down that road. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, when I go there. All right, Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Um good one, Joe. <laughs> I think TikTok is like it's like heroin. At least it is for me. I'll I'll open TikTok for a second and then before I know it, it's an hour later. I'm like, oh my goodness. I just wasted an hour doing absolutely mind-numbingly nothing. Um, and sometimes it's so beautiful, right? Like, I'm yeah, just like, yeah, oh, I need to waste an hour. <laughs> I mean, it's good to decompress every now and then. No one can, no one can go 100 miles an hour, 24 hours a day. It's, it's definitely healthy to take a break sometimes and like just chill out, do something you like for a little while. Cause I, yeah, I, I need a, a little bit of me time at least once a week, you know? But, but I can imagine other things I'd rather do for an hour, right? Oh, yeah. Really putting a priority list. There's yeah. other things I'd rather do for an hour than watch TikToks. But hey, sometimes it just happens. Time you had fun wasting was time well wasted. Yeah. But I think a, a, a big problem is that I'm a talker. Whenever someone walks in my door, I the, the, the old Dutch people around here like to talk to you about everything and everything that's going on and all everything. So it's like, a new customer walks in the door that, that what should be five minute conversation can turn into 20 minutes, an hour. Oh, what do you, you want to grab some lunch? Oh yeah. I was just about to. And that that's, that's the danger area for me is knowing when to, to close the conversation and get back into the car. All right, cool. Dustin, what about you? Simple things that uh, probably hold us back that if we think about them for a split second, maybe we should probably spend less time doing it doesn't necessarily have to be social media, right? Let's not all pick on the same thing. So, you know, let's come up with some different ideas that maybe people could relate to their own life or something that maybe you do that you go, God, this is too simple. And I, I just probably shouldn't be doing it. Uh, shoot, man, throw, throw the Xbox out the window because uh, damn hell no i got my Fortnite, man what the hell what dude, are you talking about let me, let me tell you this so you know late last fall i was playing xbox a lot and all that good stuff and you know then when i got into distribution and stuff like that we were having you know those zoom calls uh nick said something that stuck to me and you know i kind of made some notes on that and whatnot so dude i went four months without even turning that thing on and, uh, you know, it, it definitely took things to the next level for me because, I, you know, you get on there and next thing you know, you're two hours into war zone and you're just like, man, I just pissed away my evening. I could have been doing something. So once I like it, fought, the conversation fired me up. And so, you know, I, I would come home, get on the computer, you know, just look at stuff, look over the business stuff, you know, all the all the little stuff, man. And um uh, just getting rid of the stuff that was taking my time away, 
Like, I love riding motorcycles. There is nothing in life I love more than riding dirt bikes, dude. Love it. Used to do it two days a week. And now I haven't touched my bike in a while, man. I think it's in my shop in our showroom looking all nice and pretty because it's a good conversation piece, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, so I haven't touched it. You know, I love to do it. But at the end of the day, you got to put your business first. And, you know, even on the Saturdays when you'd like to be out with the boys riding, hey, you got to put your head down and grind because this thing isn't going to grow itself. So I it, think the, I think the word you're looking for is discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it sucks, man. I, I want to be out there at the locals racing with these guys, but um, it's either I can go spend, you know, $500 and go race on the weekend, or I can take that $500 and do something with it, make money with it. And uh, it's just stuff like that, learning to discipline yourself. But at the same time, you do need to set aside some time to relax turn off everything business related and like check out for a little bit and recharge. Uh, so that's here recently. I've been trying to take some time away and do some recharging and stuff like that. Cause I, I need it. But uh, at the end of the day, discipline has helped me a ton. You, yeah. You, you need it when you have the discipline to put away all the other stuff that that's holding you back. Uh, <laughs> Nick, these are some interesting thoughts, right? Like this is, this is some pretty good dialogue over of what's holding us back. We've got fear, fear of what people think, fear of what could happen, fear of no, right? Uh, discipline. I think discipline's huge. The discipline to do the work, the discipline to put away the extracurricular activities, the discipline to understand really what could make us money. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've shared this a lot. You know, one of the biggest things for me is the first seven years of my business, I didn't turn it off. Right. I just had this head down, whatever, you know, that's how you get to, you know, 100, 200, 300, 500 plus cars a week. I mean, there is no other way. You, you can talk to anybody that's done massive volume and massive amount of cars and has a big business. At some point, you're going to have to sacrifice. And as Marty knows, and I'll share it here, you know, I got what, three or four clients in my business, they're in the top 100 on the Forbes list and, and net worth. They don't miss work. <laughs> they're going nonstop. You know, some of them travel three, 300 and 350 days a year for their work. It doesn't stop. And I think that's one of the things I try to get across to people and, and everybody has their own thing. But when I finally accepted that it doesn't come to an end, there is no stop. You know, there is no, it's going to be done. That's when I think I got my best because then I could find the time. Hey, I'm going to go do stuff with the family here. I'm going to take five, six hours here. I'm going to take these weekends off. I'm going to go on this weekend trip. You only get to that place by sacrificing somewhere else. You know, part of the issue is everyone on the internet wants you to believe there's no sacrifice. Sacrifice for five years and watch what happens. I guarantee you it's going to be a good thing. That, that to me is what I, what I try to tell all the young, anybody that reaches out to me. I gave up seven years. That's can what I, I did. Can I piggyback off of Nick? Because this is what I want to say earlier. There's a lot of freshmen jumping into this business and they seeing people like Nick. They seeing people like you, Marty, who are in your junior and your, what is the 12th grade? 
I just lost my, yeah. what's the 12th grade senior? <laughs> they seeing people in these levels, right? And then they got this thing called your TikToks and your YouTubes and everybody. And you guys are showing them your sophomore and your senior year of Rupes, having a wall full of Rupes. And they come in on their freshman year thinking they need a wall full of Rupes. And the Rupes just sits up on the shelf because why? They don't even know how to retain a damn client. You understand what I'm saying? They go straight into polishing, like Nick said, and they're doing coatings, paint corrections, but they don't have no car wash experience whatsoever. Like I got guys right now asking me, oh, teach me how to ceramic coat. Uh, you can't, I, I, don't, I try not to cut people down, but I try to tell them perfect car washing first. And then they say, oh, well, I got that. Okay. Here's some silicone spray on a black or a red or a dark blue car. I spray tire dressing on the tire on the on the panel. Now wipe that clean. And they leave smears. How are you going to try to do a coating? You're going to have high spots all over the place because you can't even get the silicone. You're not even folding the towel good enough to get the silicone. So these are some of the things where I try to let a person know. I can tell if the person is okay. Let me try to teach you ceramic coating and paint correction and all this different thing or paint enhancement. But it's like, try perfecting detailing first. So, Joe, Stop are you saying, I think if I boil yours down, are you saying what another thing that could hold people back is that they're trying to get too far too fast because of everything that they see and they haven't boiled down the simplistic things that, that they need to be doing, not, not necessarily simplistic things that they shouldn't be doing, right? We talked about the things they shouldn't be doing, but... Hey, let's let's worry about the simple things first. And maybe, right? Maybe the reason why they want to do all the other stuff is because the simple things take so much work, takes so much discipline. The seven years. You know, I, I could I could put on a ceramic coating to make a thousand dollars. Well, that's a lot easier than doing ten hundred dollar jobs. And they would rather take that easy bit because they don't have the discipline to learn the simple things and running a business off of a hundred dollars. They want that big. Is that, is that basically what you're saying? I think. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. And then to pick it back off of you, a hundred dollars is more easier to stay consistent with to get 10 of those every single day than to try to get a thousand dollar coding every single day. Cause you're not going to get a thousand dollar coding every single day. Some people, most people, okay. Depending on your marketing and your, your, uh, what's that thing? You're you're being comfortable, like because people buy from me because of my character and me being comfortable on what I'm selling. So I've been doing it so long, I can sell you or show you what you really want, but you're asking for something else. But the point is, I'm more. It's easier for me to sell a hundred dollar car wash than a fifteen hundred dollar coating. That'd be great to get one a day, but I'd rather get ten one hundred dollar jobs a day and make a thousand dollars a day and work twenty two days out of the month. And make me $22,000 a month and be done. I'm okay with myself. Well, I love it, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dustin, let me let me ask you this way. Do you think maybe what holds some people back is the mindset of perfection? Yes. Versus Ooh. the mindset of making money. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And that was a bridge that I had to cross, too, um, was – just getting to the point where I, I'm okay with sending something out the door with, with, you know, some wash marring and stuff like that. And that was, it was my ego or, uh, you know, make some money. And once I learned, Hey, 
I got to put my ego behind me and uh, what the customer wants. We're going to give them that. And, uh, you know, it's easy, dude. It takes some stress off of you when you come to understanding with, hey, these, these you know, affordable coding jobs, you get more volume. They're easy. They're not hard on your back. I don't want to be polishing a damn car every day. I promise you that. Uh, I've got a forerunner in the shop right now that's been there for like two days. The customer's awesome. He's like, hey, man, just let me know when it's done. You know, and he's had a couple of vehicles through. He just drops them off. Okay, let me know it's done. I'll bring you another one. I'll get it done when, I, when it gets done, but I don't want to be behind a polisher every damn day. I would much rather have like our ultimate package. You can get an interior detail and a one-year Uno ceramic coating, no paint correction, you know, wash clay coat and an interior detail. Dude, I'll take them over these $1,000, $1,500 coating jobs all day, every day. And then you pitch them, hey, uh, you want to jump up to a two-year coating? you know, for X amount of dollars. Hey, would you like a glass coating? Easy stuff. I will take those over paint correction and multi-year coatings every day of the week. Uh, I wouldn't care if I had to touch polisher again, to be honest with you. So let's revisit this, Marty. Yeah. We shared my story of a Ferrari collection. Dustin, let's piggyback off Dustin. Everybody wants to talk about elite work, okay? And this is what people are going to hear. Why well, do elite work? Marty, you know my past. I mean, have you ever done 100, 150 hours, 200 hour paint correction? No, I myself have not. Mm -mm. And how many people in our industry really have and have won awards and, and have had cars sell for 15 million because you were involved in it? That, not very many. So let's stop with what's elite, what's right, what's wrong. And let's start with from the base camp of what does that customer want? what is right for that customer? What can I help that customer with? Right. And that's what Dustin's saying. I got a Ferrari collector. He's never going to paint, pay for paint polishing. Never. Anybody listening to this, tell me they would turn down that customer and what he makes my company per month and per year is a liar, plain and simple. So they aren't as elite as they want you to to think that they are with i'm going to polish everything and everything before i put a coating on it's going to have to be this or nick or did they get into business because they well, like doing stuff but they didn't get into business as businessmen so they don't know how to solve that that's that's a great point but i'm going to say this they've never had they've also never those people that say that i've never had a check of that size waved in their face either somebody says here's a six-figure account to take care of my collection and you're telling me that you're not going to take that check you're lying to yourself because most detailers never make six figures not even not off just one client but every client that they have so, what, Nick. I, what i keep what i keep saying is okay what people uh -huh. have to understand is it all changes once somebody shows you the kind of money that can be made from just doing what's right for that customer sitting in front of you. That's where the money's made. The money's not made in this big belief system you have about the world of detailing. It's I'm looking at this customer. I'm talking to this customer. This is what they need. This is what they'll pay for. This is something that that'll help them in their car uh, purchasing and car life. Here we are. Let's make some money. The reason people talk the way they do is they've never been offered that kind of money and they're just talking on Facebook groups as if they know what they're talking about. 
there's plenty of people making a shit ton of money that all they do is wash and coat cars, wash and coat cars, wash and waxes, wash and sealants. Bunch of people I know that I grew up with in this business had big six-figure businesses. We shared a seven-figure business at one point where a guy was just doing $50 details. We got to get out of the mode of right and wrong, and we got to get into the mode of what's right for the customer. That's all we got to do. There isn't a right thing to do or a wrong thing to do. What is that customer paying you to do, and what can you offer them? Excuse me. No, I think you had a, a comment. Because um, you're not going to just skate over that, Nick. Uh, can you teach me how to get some owners to just stroke me a six-figure check for the year? Okay. Yeah. So I heard that. So yeah. the the question is, I don't know if you can hear me. I'm getting a phone call at the wrong moment. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we got you, man. Okay, good, good. So I that's just me. I'm I'm so selfish. I catch things that work for me. So the question is, how do you approach? Maybe on the next Zoom or whatever the case may be, uh, we need to get into how do we come up with this plan to get a dealer or a customer who has multiple cars to stroke a check? What was the sales pitch? Or did he just come to you and it was just something that was just a blessing? Well, I mean, this is what happens. When you do elite level work, people with, that have elite level collections, you know, it's a small circle. And so everybody wants their cars taken care of. And some guys want the panels taken off and you to detail underneath each, each quarter panel. Some guys want just a polish and a coating. Some guys in their collection just want it to look shiny when they look out their window into their, into their big collection. Everybody's different. Mm -hmm. But the way that I got into it is, is I chased polishing when it was nothing but rotary. So there weren't 150,000 guys that could polish a car to elite levels. When you're talking about doing four and five stage paint correction with the rotary to get a perfect finish, there wasn't, I wasn't competing against a thousand guys. Now with a DA, everybody can get a good finish on a car pretty much. I mean, if you just use a logical system with rotary, it was different. So as my skills grew, the kind of clientele I was involved with grew. I, I traveled a lot. That's the other thing people don't want to do. I was traveling and moving my life and uprooting my life to chase certain clientele. I wanted to be around certain people. So I didn't stay in my hometown. I, I, I've moved and uprooted my life several times to chase the money that I needed to chase. And so when I got collectors now, my collectors have between, my average customer has between 15 and 100 cars in my, in my business right now. I don't have very many clients that have two and three cars. Most of my clients have between 15 and 100 cars. And again, it wasn't, I'm 24 years in, man. I'm not 10 minutes in. Yeah, 10 for and, yeah. And, and that, that's what it comes down to. And I had a skill set when it mattered that not a lot of people had. You know, now a lot of people can polish paint really in a really elite way because had, the technology is better. You had an intentional 24 years. You yeah. just wasn't doing it. It was intentional. Joe, we, we like the word purpose. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, even, hey, even if you look at my, the beginning of my career, I never worked hours. When I worked for people, I always worked piecework. From the very minute I started in detailing, I was working. This isn't to say that it's right, but I always worked for 50%. Every job I had, I got 50% of the job. Now, I worked for a company that was progressive thinking in the early 2000s, the way they did business. And we can share that on another Zoom. But they paid 50% to me and to a couple other guys because they wanted work cranked out. 
When, you know, when you're talking about rotary polishing, and Marty will remember this, and some of you guys will remember this, there weren't people that could pump out cars that weren't swirled up. Okay. So a skill that I developed and a couple guys I grew up with developed is I could polish a car pretty quick. Now, did we have glazes and things that could hide? Yeah, but you had certain cars you were going to work on it. That wasn't, you couldn't do that. They didn't want it to wash off. Marty remembers the old glaze. Oh yeah. But remember, I, that's what got me thinking of efficiency very early on. I was only, I was never making an hourly wage. I always searched out companies that wanted to pay me percentage. So I, I had, I didn't even know what it was called at the time. Right. I didn't know it was entrepreneurial or, I mean, that shit wasn't in my head. It was just like, you mean if I do this in two hours, I'm going to make 350 bucks. Like let, let's figure it out. And, and I failed and I failed and I failed and then I succeeded. And, and, and that's just how it went. You know, I mean, this is what I try to relay to guys. Like, it's so hard to look back at 20-year-old me and say I had all these ideas. I didn't. A number was presented to me. I could make more money if I did this. And, and I did it. That, that's, that's, that's all it really was. It wasn't some, like, grand scheme. And, and that's what everybody thinks it is. It was just common sense in the moment of being a driven guy that wanted to make more money. That, that's really all it was. So the, let's toss this around a little bit. Um, but I want to go in. I, we haven't checked in with cooking with Nick. It looks like he's chomping down. How, how'd the Italian turn out? Would, uh, would Mr. Walters enjoy it also? I, that, that's interesting. I am looking forward to seeing it. I have an accent now. Oh, <laughs> did you develop an Italian accent suddenly? It's different than I thought it'd be, but it's quite good. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's mm. my speed right there. Awesome. Mm. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by it. Way different than I thought it'd be, but I'm enjoying. It. All right, what do you got? What what surprised you? What flavors you got? The pasta, it's super thick, super rich. Texture is way different than any can ever find in the store there's only like four ingredients there's the pasta the pancetta pecorino romano and eggs that's it that's it no salt and pepper simple flavors but they're really strong so joe wants to get in the sauce too come on let's talk about it joe's gonna be like come on man talk to me about the sauce <laughs> The sauce is just eggs, like a little bit of the pasta water, eggs and pecorino. We toss it in that and let it finish in that. That's it. Huh. That's it. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. That is. That right? That's what I was thinking, Derek. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Oh. All right, Derek, as you think, because I think you got an interesting perspective, you know, given where you're at in the industry. Uh, what's perfection look like to you versus taking care of the customer and making money. I mean, I, I think this is very fascinating from your aspect. You got a certain amount of time that you only have to work on cars throughout a week. <laughs> Are you chasing perfection? What does it look like versus making the money and meeting the customer's needs? Well, to be honest, not anymore. <laughs> but when I first, uh, when I first started, I mean, um, I think I told you Marty, uh, like the first uh, mobile tech, like, um, I never, I went, 
I've been to a couple of classes and stuff, but a lot of my, like, I, I came from like a YouTube certain university as far as like, you know, all that was like, you know, you got to make the paint perfect. Got to make the paint perfect. So, I mean, there were days where I would be polishing a car, you know, nonstop nine o'clock in the morning till, you know, six, seven o'clock at night, 200 bucks later, I had to get the paint as perfect as possible, no matter what, before we coated it, I had to get every single swirl out of the paint, like, and then coat the car customer comes out. Oh, looks great. And then leaves. Like, like you were talking about Marty. Mm-hmm. It's, I, a, it's I, a worse fucking dagger, man. As much as we love when the customer walks out and goes, wow, that looks better than the day I picked it up. Right. We love that. Love that. But when you spent 12 hours just wow. on correction, yeah. 14, 16 hours, and then you're bleeding at 2 a.m. Yep. And then the next morning they come pick it up and literally look at it and spend about two and a half seconds. Looks great. And then they hop in. I'm like, I mean, I was, I mean, I even had days where like, I would, like I said, I would, you know, be out drinking the night before hung over and I'm just like staring at the car, trying to get it done, trying to get it done, trying to get it done. And I would, I would, like I said, I'd polish the shell of paint, like get it. Like I'm, I'm like, like I said, they wouldn't really care. So now after I, it, like I said, I told you on the last podcast, it was like a slap in the face, like, whoosh, like Derek, like, what are you doing, man? Like, I just literally was like, so now I, like I said, developed more of like the trying to see how effective a one step I could do. Like, that was like my whole thing. Like in the technology now and some of the stuff I'm using, it's like incredible. Like the one product I've been using now, like I think I've, I did that video on that Hyundai where like literally I did the whole hood in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And it's like, you know, 85, 95% correction was done on the vehicle, coded it, customer comes back. Thanks. Here's your, here's your four, you know, four, four, 500 bucks. And I'm like, great. And then I just leave. I'm happy. I didn't kill myself doing the vehicle. Customer's happy. And I know for a fact, they're going to take it to the car wash because they don't want to wash it at home. So it's like either way I won. So I'm, I'm happy. I stopped really caring. And like, like I was telling you guys, I just kind of keep my head down. And like, as long as I know that people are recommending me to other customers and like, they're happy, I'm happy. You know, it was a win-win for me. All right. Let's go to Lucas, and we're going to come back to you for the tab out question. Lucas, when you think of perfection versus making money, what does that translate to you? Because, I mean, we could we could chase a lot of perfection. Mm-hmm. Might not generate too much revenue for us. Is that a fear yeah. that you think a lot of people have that oh, it's a got some insight struggle. for? What, it's, what's it's running the, through your mind, man? It's the detailer's dilemma when to stop. I think it's something that you kind of just have to learn as you go. If you, if you're not, if you're not giving an SOP, which is a standard operating procedure from someone and you don't know what quality you have to deliver, it's just something you kind of got to read from your customers to figure out how far you have to go and when to pull back. And that'll determine what you charge as, as you're doing it. And you know, there's different customers who want different things and you got to be able to read. And well, was sell. there a moment? Did you ever chase perfection? Was that ever? Oh Yeah. And oh, did yeah. you have a moment where you went, ah, I got to move away from this. I'm not oh, yeah. being as profitable. I'm more concerned about perfection than money. And in business, we can be owners. We can oh, yeah. own businesses or we can be the, the quote unquote, the new word that Nick, I think we've talked about. I think the new word to what your grandfather was saying is entrepreneur, right? There's that is the new word for that style. Like somebody who sees opportunity, somebody, isn't fearful 
They understands they don't need to be perfection. They just need money and they need to make money and they find these avenues to make money. So what's, what, what do you think that looks like? Where did you come from, from that change from perfection to going, okay, I need to make some money at this. Well, it's, you know, it's just a journey you got to go through till you hit that point where you have enough. What was that customer. point for you? Oh, probably right. I don't know, probably six months after I started, I was still mobile, still doing it on the side. And I was polishing a Jeep, not a Jeep, a Hummer, big ass Hummer that had been repainted. Dude, put a twin turbo LS7 swap in it and weirdest freaking car I've ever polished. But he, I charged him 400 bucks. I went to his house. I spent like freaking 12 hours out in the sun, sweating my ass off, polishing this thing out till it was like, and it was white. So why am I fucking polishing it anyway? It's a repainted <laughs> white truck. And I'm out there with my looking at with the sun using these bright ass lights. And he comes out and he's like, man, that looks pretty good. Uh, you're not charging enough. Here's 600 bucks, by the way. And he gave me a $200 tip and thanks and pulled it in the garage. And I'm like, man, he's got no idea what, what I did to it. He has no freaking clue. Couldn't, I, I couldn't even see scratches and I was still there pretending I was seeing scratches because it was white. And yeah, I don't think it, it even extends to the interior too. Like there's only so much fucking sand you're going to blow out from under a seat. There's only so much of a stain you can get out. Stop. You know, it's, you got to figure out ways that you can move along to make it up to standard, but also move along so you can get to the next one. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. All right, Nick, closing thoughts and we'll hop over to the tab out question. Cause yeah. this is, this has been an interesting discussion moving through what brought us in to the industry. What brought us into business? You know, what, what maybe they could hold us back that because maybe we got into it cause it was super easy and, we got to think about business though. And wow, yep. being a, owning a business doesn't necessarily make us a business owner. There's things that's going to set us back from that. So closing thoughts on it, man. Great, uh, great yeah. discussion here. On I, the I, I love everybody's, uh, yeah. what they said tonight. I, I think one of the things I take away from this is if you want to stay in business, I mean, this is what you kind of heard from everybody, man. You can't polish on a car for 12 hours and make 400 bucks. That's that doesn't work. I mean, that no. just, that financially doesn't work, right? And we've all done it. We've all underbid. We've all done things and learned from them, hopefully. But it's the people that aren't learning that they're not going to be around when things hit the fan, you know, and that's what we don't want. This industry has been notorious, Marty. You and I say this all the time. The, tw the two big recessions that happened in my lifetime in this business, we lost 50% of detailers. I mean, it was overnight in each recession. And we don't have to have that happen if everybody understands the game. You don't have to go out of business. You don't have to struggle in business. But if you don't learn from the 12 hour, $400 job and start to realize there's a better way, there, there really is no way to make it long-term. There's no way to grow. There's no way to hire. There's no way to make money enough to feed your family. That kind of money just doesn't cut it uh, to, to, to own a business. And, and we've all been there. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not a judgmental thing on anybody's part. We've all done something we shouldn't have done. We underbid something, but guess what? Do you learn? Do you understand? Do you, do you value that learning experience in a way that now I'm going to change? 
Now I'm going to do it a little different. I am. I'm not going to listen to a bunch of knuckleheads on the internet, which is we all we always joke on this podcast. I'm 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 going to figure this thing out and do it in a way that that makes my family money and 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 makes my customer really happy. Um, but that's what I hear most of all is the guys that are going to make it are the guys making that adjustment. Cool, I love it. All right, Derek. Before we come to you, Brandon from Tim's. I think I, I think I threw something at you. Didn't have any understanding of what I was talking about, and then we never came back to you. You know, I'd love to know your closing thoughts too, as as we've you've listened to everything. Was it came back to you for a moment, but then come back, at, you know, again for more thoughts. Give us your closing thoughts, and then we'll go over to Derek. Um, I guess just don't let fear hold you back. Um, you know, just make yourself uncomfortable, progress your business, and you know, like I said, adjust. You can only clean something so much you know you can only get a stain out so much just don't try to chase perfection i don't even think perfection is achievable so just you know do something to make yourself uncomfortable make a stupid video or you know go talk to people that you wouldn't normally talk to and and try to progress your business you know talk to somebody at the gas station say hey man that's a cool car you know tell them what you do i do that i've been doing that a lot Seems to, I haven't got anything out of it yet, but you know, you always have a cool conversation, you know, yeah. especially with Corvette guy. Corvette guys are fun. <laughs> and, and it helps start because then once you start hearing no, once you fail, the good entrepreneur should begin to realize how do I stop failing? Right? I mean, how, how do I, if, if I'm the type of person, that can just start talking to somebody, boy, I'm so much further along than 90% of the other people out there. So then how do I start talking to somebody with no worries and progress them through to make a sale? And that becomes a sales process, which is completely a business thing that you should listen to books. You should read books. You should, you should take a lot of courses. You should go to business class. Like, Business and sales stuff is where no doubt, Nick, we've said this, you, this, this has kind of been one of your proponents is, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of issues in our industry if our industry just made more sales, right? If, yeah. if we brought more people into the industry and took care of them as an industry to other people's jokes, we wouldn't need certifications. We wouldn't need yeah. all this other bullshit because we're all learning sales. We're learning how to, make more money. And at the end of the day, businesses, as we all know, they operate on money, right? Not perfection, right? They operate on money. So chasing and going after the money and where it's at. Man, I love that, Brandon. That's, that's wonderful. All right, Derek, time for the tab out question of the night. And I'm going to crack open my last beer and I'm ready for this one. All righty guys. So, uh, kind of go along with uh, what we're talking about tonight because uh, we all talked about those high-end brands which we got on, like you said got on the walls and stuff you got that special stuff makes you a great detailer so um here we go if you got a tattoo of something from the detail industry what would it be i'll go all right thank you because you yeah. kind of stumped me there yeah, right? it's I, easy uh, i gotta I'll... go I'll go ahead and put the uh, hyper clean favicon tattoo. Thank you. 
Well, you said it. All right. Let's <laughs> all right. When in Vegas, wait, you're in Vegas. So nope. you know. <laughs> Guys, look forward to that on the next uh, live Zoom that we do. <laughs> Make any tattoos. Hyperclean Favicon. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm just, God damn, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm going to go with those like, uh, I'm going to go with a little bit of mixture of some bubbles and those little like stars and then a smiley face. And they're going to have to be creative. I'm going to have to let the, I'm going to have to pick out the, the, the tattoo artist that can draw me up something with an artistic expression of bubbles, meaning I've washed it, I've cleaned it, it's shiny, and somebody's happy. <laughs> this isn't his first time thinking about this. Wow. <laughs> All right, Lucas, what about you, man? Well, it's a funny story. Oh, I just, I just got a bunch of ink like a week ago. That's the solar system and watercolor. And then I got a bunch of NASA patches up the arm. Whoa. Yeah. It was like an eight hour session. So I'm not ready for another one just yet, but I think I would probably get my Harbor Freight Bauer polisher tattooed make sure that the bauer logo is visible because that's the shit that's the first thing i bought that started all this off accidentally so that's the only thing that i have sentimental attachment to in the whole shop so that's probably what i would do to god damn hey there we go i'm sorry there we go we've been waiting for that derek it's been a while since we heard the old god damn god damn god when you guys were talking about that guy's polisher broke and he had to go to the store, I was like, he's probably talking about a Bowers, man, because I know a lot of guys are still using those things. They're pretty good for, what, 200 bucks or whatever? Hey, I tell you what, I got mine for 80 bucks on sale. Well, there you go. It'll vibrate your arms off if, if you don't get used to it. But I'll tell you what, that son bitch puts out some power. <laughs> she'll, she'll mow down some pain if you're not careful. <laughs> but I, my understanding is they went to a new one and it's like crazy good. I yeah, haven't really. seen it. The new one Supposedly, is supposedly wherever wherever they're getting them, uh, it's not. <laughs> this is what I was told. So I'm, 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 I'm getting I'm getting the the new Milwaukee cordless because I am I'm losing oh, yeah, yeah, cords yeah. as much as I can on everything. That does it is interesting. Milwaukee came out hard this week, didn't they? That's really hard. We're, we're looking mm -hmm. forward to seeing some people start putting out some content around what that's like. That. They have come out hard. And I think, Nick, you had even talked about that previously, that, you know, Milwaukee will come back into the game and they'll get into it. So it's, it's cool to see. Milwaukee was a massive rotary brand. Massive. Mm -hmm. My buddy, massive. Used to, he had a... Yeah. Uh, I mean, think yeah. about Makita. Makita was a huge brand for us. DeWalt was a huge brand. Everybody's seeing the money now. They'll all jump in. And... Uh, you know, one of the one of the things that, that one of the big brand polishers in our industry has got to live with is the best battery technology they don't own. So these companies that have great battery technology are just going, you know, Flex as an example. You know, Flex's parent company has the best battery technology in the world in their other side of their business. It's going to be hard to compete for some of these other brands. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right, Dustin. Tab out question. Oh man, I, I would get uh I would get the, the circle with the slash through it. 
uh, what is that, the no symbol? And then I would put Chevy Traverse on the inside. Oh, no. We don't, no. We don't want that shit in my shop. No. Right outside. You take that down the road. Take that down the road. Once again, Marty and Dustin have definitely thought about this. This is all too specific. Yeah. You know, that was the first thing that just came to mind. The other option is maybe just right on my bicep. I'll get a, I'll get a tattoo of a flex polisher for all that gear-driven action. You know, just keep that left arm nice and strong. <laughs> so, that, Nick, I thought you would have gone. I thought you would have gone with your favorite slogan. It'll buff out. <laughs> hey, hundred percent. Hey, you look for those t-shirts so nobody steals it. Marty and I are designing those t-shirts right now. It'll Let's buff go. out. All right, Joe. Um, I just thought about it. It, it was a struggle, but I'll put I'm more than coding. Something simple. All right, man. That is nice, but has good meaning. Yeah. Well, I like it. All right, uh, Nick Grooms, cooking with Nick. All right, I've got two here. I've got a clever option and I've got an obvious option. The clever option, if you guys have seen on some rotary polishers or some polishes, period, some of them will say direction of rotation and have an arrow like that way or whatever i'll get that like on my hip or something <laughs> just this way or direct rotation this way but the obvious <laughs> answer this might just be me swinging my dick a little if i'm if, if i'm out of place please god tell me but i'm totally getting cooking with nick hashtag cooking with nick tattooed on me something <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah who's gonna take the word community and put that on there with some beer chugs that's what i should have <laughs> Do done god damn it, Do it. We're part of the detailing industry, right? Yeah. Detailing accounts. Love it, man. Love it. Do it. Hashtag cooking with Nick. All right. Brandon from Tim's. So, yeah, while I was getting my last tattoo, I really kind of put some thought into this. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, I was really curious. I, I Maybe you're getting to this story, but. What was what was the last two? Why did you do that? What was the pearl? What was it for? So my daughter is a Macy Pearl, so I got the okay clam with the pearl in it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. All yeah. right, detailing wise, what tattoo? So I was thinking, I kind of want a leg tattoo, like back of the calf. So this might be the one. I'm gonna get in the foreground a foam cannon. And in the background, foaming the the car. And, you know, it's going to be like a traditional style tattoo, maybe with my logo on the foam cannon. Mm. That's modern, not traditional. And move foam. I really put some, I was sitting there for about, a, about an hour and a half, really trying to put some thought into it while I was there. <laughs> yeah, Dollar General bucket and a, and a thing of Don. That makes it. <laughs> Dollar General. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just broke a Dollar General bucket the other day. Someone sat on it and the shit cracked, and I was like, well, it's Dollar General. Like, it's only worth a dollar. Like, I'm sorry. That's funny. That's funny. All right, Derek, what tattoo are you getting, man? Well, you guys kind of, you know, took some of my thunder about saying that'll buff out. But basically, what I would do is I have a scar on my arm. Like a keloid, and I would get mm. underneath it saying that will buff out. 
Because mm. <laughs> it's a scratch, huh? It's yeah. a scratch. I love it, man. That's awesome. I got I got cut by a server rack, and my when I was installing like a thing in my other job, and it got cut, and I just thought, oh no, and I put my arm on it, just put band aids on it, and I got home, and uh, big ass gash in my arm. Like, you need to go to the hospital, Derek. So I ran to the, go to the many merge, and they're just like, yeah, it's too late. Like it's already like we can't stitch it up. So I literally just had this like keloid form, and I've had it ever since. Damn. Yeah, good one, man. You definitely got to do that. That buff out. <laughs> all right, guys. What a fun community, Pub. Thank you so much for all your input. We we really took a little journey here. That was a lot of fun. Good discussions. Thanks so much, uh, Nick. Appreciate uh, appreciate you hopping in, brother. That was wonderful. Good good yeah. talk, Lucas. Man, always great input, man. I, I really respect everything you have to say. And Dustin, there's no doubt as as you see things through your your side and where you're at locally, there's there's no doubt you're going to make a big change in what you're doing oh, yeah. there and in your spot. So, uh, Joe, man, always love the inside and love how you bring some motivation, some excitement and some, some ways for other people to think through it, man. So I always appreciate what you bring to it. And Derek, great tab out question, man. I, I think what the value you bring so much to is the way there's hundreds of thousands of people that are just exactly in your situation. Mm-hmm. And so I always love the inputs you can bring that, that gives value to them. And Nick, man, great insight to uh, what's going on in the dealership world. And where do people find it's it's underscore grooms on Instagram. They can go check out your, your dish. It's, it did look amazing. So I always love that uh, the, the cool stuff that you bring to, to the community. Brandon from Tim's welcome to my world. I can put people on the spot without having a clue what I do. You know, I, <laughs> Nick, is, Nick now knows, uh, you now know what Nick feels on a daily basis. So man, I really appreciate it guys. Thanks so much. Uh, what a great talk and a good time here at the community pub. It's time to tab out and close down. So you guys enjoy your week and we'll see y'all next week. Community. Community. Oh yeah. Hey, y'all check his hat out real quick. Mm-hmm.